it's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner. we got a good one in store coming up in the third half of our three-hour tour. We're going to talk with uh, Mark Rubenstein about uh, his book. Um, what is uh, Mark's book? Do-do-do-do-do-do. Uh, it is, man, my notes are all cobbled up here, um, Assassin's Lullaby, I could have remembered that, and um, and then uh, coming up in the uh, middle of our three-hour tour, during the uh, second hour, Mary Alice Monroe. We'll talk about uh, her book, Search for Treasure. No, that's coming up in just a minute. Boy, I'm just all confused today. Uh, Yeah, 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 yeah. Mark Rubenstein is in the middle. And the uh, third half of our three-hour tour is David Parker talking about his book of essays called A uh, San Francisco Conservative. Interesting and uh, fun story, to be sure. Anyway, we are going to uh, <clears throat> squeeze in uh, a little music before we uh, before we go to children's author Mary Alice Monroe and uh, talk about her her book. It's actually part of a series. We'll talk about her books and her characters and all that kind of stuff coming up in just a minute, but. We're going to start out with um, a little music. uh, Oh, it's just kind of fun and kind of gets us in the mood for kids stories from uh, Howard Eddy Jr. and family. A little It's Not Too Late for Love. How it's been never be again Can't you see 
Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program, and my guest this hour is a New York Times best-selling author of uh, 27 books, including the best-selling uh, The Beach House series. And uh, she also writes children's picture books and uh, a new middle-grade fiction series called The Islanders. And the uh, newest installment of The Islanders is called Search for Treasure, and it's coming out this month uh, from Mary Alice Monroe, who joins me by phone. Mary Alice, good morning, and welcome to the show. Hey, good morning. It's great to be in Michigan. And... and. Um, where are you usually? And and I have to ask you about a pronunciation. The um, is it Dewey's Island? Ah, Dewey's. Dewey's. Okay. Dewey's, and that is a small barrier island. That's I live on Isle of Palms. A lot of people might know of it. It's right out south of Charleston, South Carolina. A little barrier island, but Dewey's is even smaller, and it's accessible only by ferry or boat so it's private and there are no cars on the island just golf carts there are no stores of any kind and for these three kids very very limited internet which is the perfect place to put three kids in the summer and and are the three kids the islanders or are there others yes well, these are the three kids. I I wanted to write a book for children in the middle grade, which is about 6 to 12 age. And these kids, they're just early, some of my young early readers, some of them are reading really well, but they're just getting into chapter books and their imagination. So this is the age that I was asked to write for, and I was an instant yes, because I have a career writing for adults where I bring nature to you know, the wild to my readers through story. And I wanted to do the same for these kids because at this age, they believe they can change the world. I want to be a ballerina and a judge or an astronaut, and they absolutely believe it's possible. So these kids are the ones I wanted to inspire to unplug, get off those screens, put your phone down or your iPad, and get outside and explore and play be kids well i'm uh, i'm looking at the um at the cover mm. and it looks like the kids might be sneaking up on a gator <laughs> well that's it those are the three kids i chose three kids who might not be friends that they had met in a classroom say in flint but here they all got stuck in their original idea in the islanders on this island jake is a military family's child his father was injured in the war and so his mom is in the air force and she's going to meet dad to find out how bad his injuries are so she ships off jake to his grandmother's house on this remote island and he's thinking oh worst summer ever and then you have macon and macon is this bright African-American kid from Atlanta who is um, family-wealthy lawyers. So his family has a house there, but he doesn't want to be there, so he's stuck there. And then you have little Lovey, who came from the Beach House series. She's my Hermione Granger. She's the girl I wish I was when I was her age. They're all about 10 or 11, and she can identify a bug or a bird. She can ride, drive a boat in a golf cart, so she's cool. 
But these three kids become friends because they don't know anyone else. In, in book one, The Islanders, they ex- they learn to explore. The, you know, at first it's, oh, it's so boring. There's nothing to do, which is a refrain I'm sure most of you listeners have heard when you tell the kids to go outside and play. But without Internet, without and Honey says, you go on out there and you draw pictures of what you see. Oh, but Mary Alice, funny. there's there's such a funny comic I saw once, uh, a little cartoon like, <laughs> in the newspaper. And it, it shows this mother is uh, exasperated with a little boy who's playing video games all day. And she says, please. Yes go outside and play and the next frame shows him standing outside the window with his computer playing his video games <laughs> i know oh, they, they're addicted i think kids today literally are addicted to their screens they don't know how to turn it off they feel bereft if they don't have a connection you know i see them in I'm, restaurants and, with and, their dinner at dinner tables everywhere I've been affected too. If I leave the house without my oh, cell phone, I you know it 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 feels like I've been uh, you know dropped in the desert. I know. You know it's true. I I confess. I they're saying now, and this is I tell adults that two hours outside is the new ten thousand steps, and that means unplugged. So whether we take a walk somewhere or we just sit in a chair and read a book. Go out, work in the garden. It doesn't matter, but two hours outside is good for our mental health, our physical health. It adds to our focus as we get older. That's important, but for kids, ADHD, let them read outdoors. It helps their attention span. If there's so many wonderful reasons, health and mental health reasons, why we should unplug. But the main thing for me is it's summer, and I wrote this book for my grandchildren, and I want them to have memories like I do about childhood. You know, summers to me was fishing and going out playing in the lake, or if you live by the ocean like I do now. I'm, I was raised in Illinois, so I know the Midwest. Yeah, and I was talking with somebody it, it, recently about that, Mary Alice, and yeah. we'd leave the house, and um, we'd be back for dinner, and then yeah. back outside again, and, you know, we had to be in when the street lights came on. Yes, or the dinner bell rang, one of the two. Yeah. And th- we used to just run out, and you couldn't keep us from building forts. And, I mean, we, we didn't, I wasn't afraid of bugs. I mean, I knew what they were, but I wasn't terrified of them because I saw them all the time. I guess what I want to say to everyone listening is, you know, these are our memories. But our children and our grandchildren are creating their summer memories right now. So what can we do to help them be the kind of memories we want them to have? I hope, I mean, that's why I wrote The Islanders and now Search for Treasure. It's a series. It's, it's showing the kids in a story form that it is fun, that it's not just saying go outside, but look, watch and read what these kids are doing and, and the connections they're making, and it's the best summer. It should be a rule that kids have to read it outside. I think so. Hey, I, I echo that. Hooray. <laughs> 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 More with New York Times bestselling author Mary Alice Monroe.
straight ahead. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-Double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Vi from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Dr. Comedian Jonah Bodie. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Hi, I'm State Representative Sarah Anthony. Our community and communities across the country are seeing a rise in gun violence. Firearm injuries are one of the leading causes of death among children. 
Parents, it is your responsibility to know where your firearm is at all times. First, lock your gun away somewhere safe. Also, make sure that it is disassembled and unloaded. It's up to us to prevent gun violence in our community. This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More with New York Times bestselling author Mary Alice Monroe straight ahead. Now, <clears throat> I said I was looking at the uh, at the book at the cover, and um, also credited is uh, Angela May. Do you want to mm. mention Angela? I sure and do. Her role um, Angela's in this? been working. Well, she's been my assistant for ten years, and she has a history in journalism, and she was interested in the world of books. And when I was asked to write the middle grade series, I said to Angela, you know, you're a young mother of middle grade kids. Your husband's a principal of a middle school. I just knew she had things to say. So I said, are you interested in writing a book with me? And I didn't know it, but I named her greatest dream was to write for children. So I took her on, and writing journalism is different than writing fiction, but she's a naturally gifted writer. And I think because she was writing this book for her kids, and I was writing it for my grandkids, we're coming at it from different points of view, and it made the book all the stronger. She's really great, and I, we're going to continue writing. So this is one is Islanders, the second is Search for Treasure, and the third one is Shipwrecked, and that'll be out next year. So it's going to continue as a series. It's been very successful. And I have to tell you, what a surprise. I just wanted to write for these kids and I hoped it would do well. But I think the fact that it came out number two on the New York Times list is not just because we wrote a great book, which I like to think we did, but I think it speaks to the need in this country. This, it was the right book at the right time. People are looking after the pandemic to get their kids outdoors. How do we get them to read? How do we get them to play outside? How do we get them to unplug? Well, one of the one of the silver linings of the uh, of the pandemic was um, because of homeschooling and, mm. and Zoom and all of that. Um, reading is up a little bit. It is, and. I'm very, very mindful when I wrote this book, because I'm all about education, but making it fun. I was very mindful of a lot of the homeschooling, a lot of the kids are learning at home. So there are, if you go to my website... But it spoiled the screen for some. It it what? It spoiled the screen for some. <laughs> the screen. Do you know what I mean by so that? Go to we the were website t- when you have to go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But there, there's, there's a here's the thing. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because in book one, the grandmother was absolutely against any computer. But that's not realistic in a real world. So in book two, Honey's now stronger. She's learning about living with kids. She's learning how to bring the internet into her life in balance. Isn't that the key for everything in life is balance? Oh, I have to tell you this story. It just tickled me. Are you familiar with Mary Higgins Clark? Oh, of course. She passed, I met her. She passed away a couple of years ago. Yes, but she'd and her been daughter on my, Carol, yeah. She'd been on my show several times, and mm. I, and she admitted that, you know, she was just kind of a Luddite. She just didn't have any tech skills at all, and 
um, and, and <clears throat> had her had one of her sons was actually typing things out on the computer for her. And, um, oh my gosh. And I asked her, I said, but in some of your stories, tech pops up, you know, what, how do, how do you <laughs> deal with that? And she says, I got a guy. <laughs> <laughs> we all have a guy. <laughs> I thought that, I just thought that was, I just, I just that, thought that was so like her. You know, to say, I well, know. we all have, but you know, my gosh, we all have that guy, the electrician, the plumber, the tech guy, yeah, we all says, have our guy. She says, I got a guy, you know, he explains all this stuff to me. <laughs> well, storytelling hasn't changed. I mean, the art no. of storytelling hasn't changed since the days of hunters and gatherers. But the difference is now is some people write longhand, but most of us are on the computer writing because it's so easy. My brain works way too fast. But I write out everything when I'm doing my, I work with wildlife, and you don't bring your computer. I take notes. I have little index cards everywhere. And it's when I pull it all together and I say, okay, let's make a story out of all these notes that I, that I sit down and I go to the computer and I just let it go. Now, an important part of the writing that you do is bringing nature into it. And I guess there's a there's a question I ask a lot of writers, and and it has to do with which comes first, the characters or the story. Do you come mm. up with a story and then cast characters like in a movie, or do you come up with these characters and then things that might happen to them or that they might get into? And right. And now there's there's. If I ask you this question, then I have to try to figure out how to bring in this third element. You know, do do you decide what elements of nature you want to to highlight or spotlight in the story you're going to tell? Do you tell the story first or the characters come first? How does that all come together for you? Well, for me, for the last 20 years, um, 22 years ago, I made a decision. I, I live on the ocean. I work with sea turtles. I, I'm a conservationist. But how the, we, turtles were in trouble back 22. Not many people knew much about them. And so I uh, sea turtles. So I said, how can I bring all my readers to this world? So I made a deci- decision to write books in such a way that they would be learning facts and they'd be getting up close and personal with whatever species I came up with through story. So I don't come up with a story idea. I come up with a species first. And that's what I've done for 20 years, and I've written about all different kinds of wildlife. And that whole Beach House series is just one of many books, but in that series, if there's anything I'm interested about, a pelican or a dolphin, a shorebird, I will put it in that series because the readers have fallen in love with my characters and are sort of like Jan Carone. They follow her. So my readers follow these characters. For the kids, however, it was a little bit different. I knew that my goal was to get the kids unplugged and outdoors the way I raised my children and I want my grandchildren to have that experience. So I chose the location. I chose someplace remote where I would put the kids in an unplugged area and I'd let them run wild. And so that was my agenda. I I designed a story that would let that happen. 
and the characters are three kids who might not be friends anywhere else, and uh, two boys and a girl. Jake's a military kid, Lovey's from the Low Country, and Macon's from Atlanta, an African-American boy from wealthy lawyers. They're all on this island, and they become surprisingly best friends. And so that relationship develops while they go through the adventures. But I wanted every kid, no matter where they were in this country, what sex, what race, what whatever, I wanted economics, big differences economically. I wanted to put them in a place, sort of like Lord of the Flies without the violence, in a place where they had to play, where they had to be kids. Well, all the superficial world that middle school kids are caught up in was gone and they could be kids and you know what's what's interesting about that is as as you're talking about these three kids and their differences um i remember going places um you know going to stay at a friend's cottage and there were different kids in that oh, yeah in that neighborhood and 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 within a couple of days, there was a little clique formed with kids you'd <laughs> never met before, but you were inseparable for a week uh, it, or a summer. Sometimes. Yeah, exactly. And and I'm I'm remembering those bonds that happen that are just separate from whatever environment you come out of. And I think that's very healthy because you never know what's going on inside a child's school. You know, middle grade can be rough. You know, there's mean girls and the boys are tough and there's a lot. Everyone has to be the same. Differences are not appreciated until maybe high school. You can start exploring a little bit more. So I think it's really important more than ever for these kids to feel they're safe. And the outdoor, well, we have a many reasons from the both mental and physical health reasons from American Academy of Pediatrics, from psychiatry. They know that getting the kids outdoors opens them up for better attention spans, for better eyesight, getting them off the screen. Less stress means more mental health. The kids, if they, even if they're just reading outdoors, they're still able to focus more if your child's a slow reader or has ADHD, getting that child outdoors more and reading, we now know, and research is clear, that they have more focus of attention. So we, as parents and grandparents, can not only guide our children outdoors, but we should model that behavior because, frankly, all those benefits are good for adults, too. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That that's absolutely true. In fact, um, Sandy and I were just talking about that uh, last night. That um, for several years we have a camping trip we take every summer, which has been put oh, off. Nice. Which has been put off by the pandemic. Mm, and this sure. is this is our third summer in a row without taking the camping trip, and it's. Uh. It's it's a little frustrating for us because it was. Now well, we got well, all. I the wonder gear. what you can do. I mean, I guess you have to scratch your head and say, "Okay, you don't get to go on the camping trip, but maybe just putting a pup tent up in the backyard." And, well, that's a and, that's you know, a thought, and and that has crossed my mind. We you know we have a nice deck, and you know we 
grill out and you know we light a fire every once in a while and sure but that's a blast it is it is but it not quite the same as heading up to the up but i love that you (laughs) but i love your intention i mean i love that you say we will do it again oh yeah those are the memories i'll bet you dollars to donuts in 30 years your grandchildren are going to say those are the memories i was with my grandfather uh, on a camping trip the best memories of his childhood I, I used to take my kids. We had a big sheep farm up in Vermont, and nobody was on there but except the people who worked it. And I went up with the kids because my husband was in Washington, D.C. doing research. And we were alone, and we went out together, and we brought in leaves, and we drew pictures on, on paper and pinned them up on the walls of all the animals that we discovered, and we came home. We didn't have the Internet, believe it or not. There was no Google, but we did look. We did have the Encyclopedia Britannica, and we had Peterson's Guides, and we learned the names of all the animals and, and all the birds we heard sing. I learned the names. The kids learned the names. We had a blast, but if you asked my kids, who are in their 30s now, what are the best memories you have for summers or all your childhood to a one that my children will say those summers up in Vermont when they were outdoors. So I'm sure your grandchildren are going to feel the same about your camping trips. Well, the the, the book is um, the next in a series of books uh, under the, the heading The Islanders by Mary Alice Monroe and now with uh, Angela May. And this one is called Search for Treasure, and without um, setting off any spoiler alerts, <laughs> I just have a feeling that the treasure is not trinkets. 100%. Right. <laughs> the, uh, I don't want to go any further than that. You had it in you all the time. <laughs> but, you know, it's fun to use those classics as, as examples. When the kids go back to the island, now they can't wait to go. The first book, they're like, oh, boring. Now they love it, and they can't wait to get back. So they arrive, and there's an old man who has a metal detector called Scary Harry, and he found a gold doubloon. Now, in the southeast here, we all know the story of Blackbeard, this ferocious pirate who really held Charleston hostage back around 1610, and he and a bunch of pirates got a ransom, and off they went. But, you know, good old Blackbeard didn't play fair. He didn't want to share all that treasure, so he, he buried it somewhere. But his ship sank before he got to North Carolina, and he was captured. So we all know, and every kid out there knows, that Blackbeard's gold is there somewhere. So when the <laughs> doubloon was found, the kids are like, we are going to find the gold. So that's the treasure hunt. And what's to me, a major theme of the story and what makes it a great, this one, a father-son book, is the father was in the war and he lost his leg. Mm-hmm. So in book two, Search for Treasure, this one, he has to learn to live with his prosthesis. He's trying to figure out what, who am I, what am I going to do with my life? And his son, Jake, is looking at his dad like, who are you and, and why aren't you coming out with me? So... In the course of this summer, the father remembers, because he grew up on this island, that he found coins. So the search for treasure for him is with his son and grandma. His mama is there, too, and the friends. 
they're looking for the coins that his father remembered leaving in a treehouse somewhere. But it's probably, how do you find that treehouse? And in the search, the father bonds with his son going outdoors, hiking, searching, they're in kayaks. The grandmother's there with them packing lunches. He finds those nuggets about the best parts of himself, his dreams and his abilities, and he, he, he discovers who he is again. And in the process, there's a really good bond with his son. And I think we all need to get outdoors. And, and with our children and our grandchildren, the more we spend time with them, the more we create strong bonds and new memories. And that's what the father did with this book. Do you think this series, um, do you have any sense for how long it will run, how many installments there will be? Well, I'll tell you, we have the third one coming. We're writing it now, Shipwrecked. I know there's some interest, and maybe it'll happen. We never know in the TV series for it. And I think the more that this is successful, and I've been very blessed to say it's been a very a lot of books are being sold and kids are excited by it and schools are picking it up i think we'll continue as long as the children want to read the books can you work on more than one project at a time <laughs> no no <laughs> so I'm you're, you're I'm a bit of a luddite there myself <laughs> so you're I, you're kind of trapped on the island too <laughs> I am, because I'm still writing an adult novel. And so when I finish, like right now I'm writing an adult novel, and when I finish it, then I get to go back to Shipwrecked, and I, I start working with Angela on that book. I can get ideas. You know, they always pop up. You never know when you get a good idea. I, I, I always tell everybody, watch out when you talk to me, because <laughs> it could end up in my book. And <laughs> I just never know. So I collect ideas, but when I sit down to write... I have to have a safe place, my office, close the doors, and I just go back into the story world and let it flow. So only one book at a time. But you can do more than one a year, obviously. Yes, yes. Because you know what? It's, it, here's how the process works. I'm a fast writer when it comes to getting that first draft done. And then I polish it. That's what you use craft for. And I send it to my editor. So while it's there, it's good for me to have a little time away from that book. And that's when I work on something completely different, and that's the middle grade series. And I'll continue doing that. I'm getting older, so, you know, I get a little tired. It's, you know, I don't know how long I'll be able to keep up two books a year. But I don't do the adult novels every year. They're getting more complex. I'm setting the book in South Carolina an ace basin it's going to be a wonderful novel and if it comes out in two years that's okay well the name of the book is um, search for treasure it's part of the islanders series by new york times best-selling author mary alice monroe and um Mary Alice, I, I really appreciate you spending this time with me and the listeners, and I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Oh, thank you. Do you have a website well, you'd like to share? Series. I do, especially for this series, because if you go to my website, maryalicemonroe.com, you'll find in the children's section 
uh, all about Dewey's Island. It's a real place. And Big Al, the alligator on the cover, is a real alligator. And kids love him. And we have videos of the place. We also have nature walks with Judy. So if you're homeschooling and you want to have cross-curriculum materials, we have curriculum materials on the website to help moms who are homeschooling or teachers with their classes. There's a lot of education in these books, and we hope that they can dig in and use what we offer. Well, I, 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 it's been a real pleasure talking Thank with you. Thank you. And, and I hope we get to do it again. And I hope so, too. And I hope you get that camping trip. <laughs> Me, too. In the meantime, <laughs> uh, keep up the good work, Mary Alice. Thank you very much. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Again, Mary Alice Monroe, author, uh, New York Times best-selling author. Newest book is uh, Search for Treasure, part of the Islanders series. And with that, we'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead.
Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, to hug her and see her on her birthday. You know, I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed. It's a robocall. Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, file a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know, Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 14th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flint Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky Magazine. Flint Community Schools. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Weiscarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Long Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan. Quiplet Technology. My Community College. It's Pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to Tom at TomSumnerProgram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. 
Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Ladies and gentlemen, in Philip Rapp's creation, The Bickersons! Like most married women, Blanche Bickerson is a romanticist. Having talked poor husband John into taking her on a second honeymoon, three o'clock in the morning finds Mrs. Bickerson in the lobby of a small hotel at Niagara Falls. Exhausted and bleary-eyed from the long drive, John Bickerson unloads the luggage outside as his wide-awake wife talks to the night clerk. Let's listen. It doesn't really matter about the room as long as we have a nice view of the falls. Yes, ma'am. I'll bet you don't remember me. No, ma'am. Well, I wouldn't expect you to with all the honeymoon couples you meet. I was here seven years ago. Is that so? Yes. Well... Better luck this time. Oh, we're still married to each other. We're just having a second honeymoon. Do many people do that? No, ma'am. I wonder why. I wouldn't know, ma'am. Are you married? No, ma'am. Arthritis makes me walk this way. Will you please sign the register? Oh, I'm sorry. Last time we were here, we had to wait two days for a room. We stayed in a motel in Buffalo. Oh, here you are. Thank you. Is that Bickerson? Yes, didn't I sign it right? Yes, ma'am. Mrs. John Bickerson and husband. Here's the key, room 318. There's the automatic elevator over there. We don't have any bellboys at night. Oh, that's all right. I'll go out to the car and get my husband. John, where is he? He's not in the car. I wonder if he took the luggage out of the trunk. Good heavens! John, get out of that trunk, you darned fool. John, John, John. Blanche, 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 shut the door. There's a draft. Come out of that thing. All right, all right, all right. Don't pull. Ow, my hand. Oh, serves you right. Pick up that luggage and straighten yourself up. Ow. I don't want you to go in that nice hotel looking like a ragamuffin. It's a nice muffin. Um, grab a couple of these bags, will you, Blanche? No! It wouldn't look right on our honeymoon. Come on! Oh, my back. Where's the bellboy? We don't have any at night. Are you the clerk? Yes, sir. Where's the register? I, I want a room with a bed. I've already signed it. You've got a room. Good. Where are you going to sleep? Come on, John. Stop dragging your feet. I just drove 2,000 miles for a second honeymoon. Lead me to my room. You had to talk like that in front of the clerk. Oh, let me sleep, will you, Blanche? I'd just like to go one place with you that you didn't embarrass and humiliate me. You've been unbearable since we left home. Keep going. In here? Yes. Pull the bags in so I can shut the door. No windows? No nothing? How much do they get for this broken-down room? This is the elevator. (laughs) Oh, well, push the button or something and get it started. I can't keep my eyes open another minute. I was afraid this would happen. I'd hoped that going on a second honeymoon would bring us closer together. Can't get much closer than this, unless you throw the luggage out. Every time I want you to be romantic, 
You're so distant, John. What is keeping us apart? The brown suitcase. What floor are we on? I'm sleepy. You're always sleepy. When you're not sleepy, you're humiliating me. I'll never be able to face that night clerk in the morning. You won't have to. Why not? There'll be a day clerk. Which way is the room? I don't know, and I don't care. I'm going to stay in the elevator. Oh, come on, will you, Blanche? Well, say you're sorry. I'm sorry. Now, where's the room? Right in front of you, 318. Well, open the door before I collapse. Thank heaven. I got to get some sleep. Well, put the lights on. Don't stumble around in the dark. Don't want to open my eyes. Just aim me at the bed and give me a shove. I'm not going to let you sleep until you undress properly and unpack the luggage. Oh, Blanche, why'd you have to bring so much stuff? You've got as much stuff as I have. I have not. All I brought was my toothbrush and my overnight bottle. You and that bourbon. You wouldn't take five steps away from home without it. Well, I can still remember what happened when we got snowbound in that cabin. That wasn't so terrible. Oh, not much. I had to live for two weeks on nothing but food and water. Don't throw my things around like that. There's no closet. Where shall I put these dresses? In the drawer. Where do you want these drawers? In the dresser. Fold up your pants neatly and put them under the mattress. Okay. Well, take them off first. John, what a fool I was to think you'd change. The second honeymoon was just as big a mistake as our first one. Oh, no, it wasn't. I'm so sorry you made me go on this trip that I could just die. I didn't make you go. You shanghaied me. You even tried to get me to marry you again. Was that such an unreasonable request? Yes, it isn't legal. Why not? A man can't be punished twice for the same crime. Oh, that's too bad about you. How you shame me in front of all my friends. And after I sent the invitations out, too. Well, I wasn't going to have any formal wedding and put out a lot of dough to feed your hungry friends and their squalling brats. There wouldn't have been any brats there at all. How do you know? Because I said plainly on the invitation, Mr. and Mrs. John Bickerson will be married March 9th, no children expected. Put out the lights. I'm never going back to that horrible apartment we live in. I'm going to sit here and stare at the falls forever. Wouldn't hurt you to look at them either, John. I see them every day on the shredded wheat box. How can you be so cynical? I'm glad I have a little romance in my soul. Just the sight of those falls brings back memories. Mm, yeah. Sit up, John. Look at that cascade. Doesn't it remind you of something? Yeah. What, John? I think I left the water running in the bathtub. John, you didn't. Okay, I didn't. Good night, Blanche. I never should have trusted you to lock up. Now I'm really worried. Did you close all of the windows? Close the windows. You didn't leave any lights burning, did you? Uh, no. Did you leave food for the cat? Left enough for a week. What did you leave him? A six-pound tin of corned beef. Did you empty it into a plate? No. Well, how do you expect the cat to eat? I left the can opener on top. Stop worrying about the cat. We should have taken all the animals with us. Poor little canary locked in the cage. Cat can't get out of the house. And who is going to feed the goldfish? Oh, I'll bet they're terribly unhappy. Oh, they're not unhappy. They're having a fine vacation. They are not. They are, too. When I left, the cat was fishing. Fishing? Where? In the goldfish bowl. He was using the canary for bait. John, 
Dickerson. Oh, go to sleep. The canary and the goldfish are fine, and I wish the cat would drop dead. Don't talk like that. I love that cat. When I get home, I'm going to enter him in a cat show. What for? He couldn't win anything. Maybe not, but he'd meet a lot of nice cats. Go to sleep, will you, Blanche? I'm not sleepy. Why don't you sit up and talk to me? Blanche, people don't talk at four in the morning. You talked until five o'clock on our first honeymoon. You kept reciting poetry and telling me how beautiful I was. Do you remember what you said, John? No. You told me your love for me was like a raging inferno. You said you had a fierce fire blazing in your breast like a live coal. What happened to it, John? It's only a clinker now. How can you say such terrible things to me? Blanche, I'm so sleepy, I don't know what I'm saying. I'd like to hear you say things like that to Gloria Gooseby. Can't I even go to Niagara Falls without Gloria Gooseby? The only reason you didn't was because she wouldn't have you. What? You proposed to her 15 times before you proposed to me. You big second fiddle, you. I never proposed to Gloria Gooseby, and you know it. And the next time I see her, I'm going to punch her husband, Leo, right in the nose. What have you got against Leo? He's a better husband than you are. I'm sick of hearing that, too. Leo Gooseby is a cheap, chiseling bum. He is not. He's more generous than you. Would Leo Gooseby give you a new dress? No. Would he give you a new hat? No. Would he give you a mink coat? No. Would you give me a mink coat? No. Why should I give you anything? Leo wouldn't. Stop screaming. You'll wake up the whole hotel. Well, stop goading me. You want me to do nothing but fight, fight, fight. No, I don't. All I do is ask for proof you love me, and you go into a tantrum. Blanche, what more proof do you want? I tell it to you a thousand times a day. I raise a new crop of freckles to spell out I love you. I painted it on all the Burma shave signs. Somebody's at the door, John. Honey, 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 honey! Madam, this is not a beehive. It's my bedroom. What are people wandering around in the halls this time of night for? Don't be so crabby. It's probably some nice little bride who can't find her husband. Maybe he's lost. He isn't lost. He's hiding. Put out the lights, will you, Blanche? I've got a vile headache. Nobody told you to yell your brains out. Good night. If you just stand here and look at the falls for a few minutes, your headache will go away and you'll sleep fine. Mm. Where does all that water come from? I once read it goes over at the rate of 346,000 gallons a second. John? Yeah? Are the falls higher on the American side or on the Canadian side? I don't know. I'll have to find out in the morning. What a majestic spectacle. I'm convinced there's nothing in the world like Niagara Falls. Except you, Blanche. Really, John? Why do you say that? Because you never dry up either. Good night, John. Sumner 
show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here. <laughs>